Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Pat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange... The bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. So today, at least as far as my contribution to it, um, it's going to center on some weird co-workers. And this was not by design. It just kind of happened. Um, I had a, a strange experience at work. I went into the men's room. Yeah, I had to tinkle. Right. And yeah. it was about time for me to call you. Yes, which is weird. Every time you call me, I'm in the bathroom. It's weird. Yeah. It's like we have some sort of psychic urine connection. It seems that way. Or I just have <laughs> a bladder the size of a Barbie doll head. So I go in there and on the back of the stall door, there's a hook. And there was a t-shirt. And not like a t-shirt that you would wear with a logo on it, but, you know, a t-shirt that you wear under. Like an undershirt. Undershirt. Yeah, thank you. I had a pretty good idea whose it was because there's only a couple of people in our building that wear dress shirts. Everybody else just wears jeans and logo t-shirts. Right. So I go up and I I approached him. I said, you left your undershirt in the bathroom. And I discovered that uh, whenever he goes to the bathroom, he completely disrobes. He takes all of his clothes off before he goes in to poop, even at work. So not even just like pulling the pants down, but taking the pants off. Takes them off and then he takes his shirt off. And I've been in that building. It's very cold. I know. I don't think I like that plan at all. No. but And also when I, I'm going to take a shower and then I'm like, you know, I should take some business first. I'm getting very personal here, but it it feels so weird and vulnerable to be on the toilet naked. Yeah. It is not something I enjoy. Thank you. Um, So sometimes I'll even just get a towel and wrap it around me. I'm like, okay, at least this way. (laughs) I'm protected. Sure. From what I don't know. From the bathroom elements. The bathroom elements. But you said you had a friend that takes a shower every time after they go to the bathroom. Yes. Every time. Yeah. So what happens when she is out? She doesn't. She doesn't. She holds it. Yeah. Until she can take care of business near a shower facility. Correct. And then she, she does her business and takes a shower. All right. Well, personal hygiene. Yep, she's she's dedicated. Very she clean. also uh, recoils at the idea of someone farting in the shower. 
<laughs> really? Yeah. Isn't that a good place to do it, though? It's, uh, it's an interesting little quirk. Is she concerned that the humidity and the gaseous emission is going to combine and waft into other parts of the house? I don't know. Maybe it coats her in oh, a liquid fart. I, I don't know. Yeah, fart mist. It's something that we should really go in more depth with, I think, the next time we have brunch. Just make sure that you have brunch at a place that has a shower facility. But that's not the strangest person that... Uh, I've ever worked with. In fact, that person's quite endearing. Uh, I did a morning radio show in Tucson for years. The shoe guy. The what? The shoe guy. The shoe guy? Yeah. Oh, no, that was a different guy. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, Yeah, no, the shoe guy was a different guy. He was a guy that uh, during a meeting, he would, uh, just in the middle of a sentence, he would take his shoe off and smell it and then put it back on again. That was weird. Yeah. That was a weird little tick. And he didn't even realize he was doing it, I don't think. He just did it all the time. Really? Yeah, yeah. Ooh. What are you doing, dude? What? I'm sorry, I interrupted. That's okay. No, this guy This guy uh, was our traffic reporter. Hot foods guy? That's a different guy, too. That's a, I, I worked with a lot of weird people. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I got to explain that now. Hot food guy. <laughs> hot food guy couldn't stand it whenever anybody ate hot food for lunch. He hated the smell of hot food, so... He uh, he would leave, but then everybody kept doing it. And so he issued a memo demanding that there would be no hot food eaten on that floor while he was in the building. So whatever. I love him I don't know. so much. So I'm doing this morning show, morning radio show in Tucson. And our traffic reporter, the guy goes up in the plane. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we go to him in the plane and he says, yeah, there's a uh, backup at uh, Speedway and Campbell intersection going all the way back down to uh, Fort Lowell. And, you know, well, one morning we got a call from a listener who said that her father had passed away a few years ago and she had him cremated per his request. The other part of his request was that his ashes be scattered over the Catalina Mountains uh, in Tucson. Mm-hmm. Well, she never got around to that. And he just kind of sat there on her mantle for a number of years. I understand. And so we thought, hey, we know someone with a plane, our traffic guy. And so we said, would you like us to do this for you? And she said, that would be great. So we contacted the the pilot of the traffic uh, report plane. And he said, sure, I'll do it. I'll do it. And so we did it live on the radio and he's sure. he's flying over the Catalina Mountains and he throws the ashes out and we hear him going <laughs> and he comes in and he's got ashes all over his face. Oh no. And he says the wind blew the ashes some of them back into my face and um yeah. Did at least some of them make their way to the Catalina, Catalina Mountains? Uh, he said yes, but uh, that was a number of years ago. That was many years ago. And I never, you know, when I left that job, when I got fired from there. Mm-hmm. Um, As you did. Most of the time, usually for some controversy that I created. So I left that job. Years go by. I never talked to this guy again. Mm-hmm. Hadn't talked to him for years and years and years. Suddenly, I get a, an email from him, and he says, can I have your number? I want to ask you a question. And I'm like, okay. Sure. So, so he calls me up, and I said, geez, dude, I haven't talked to you since you know I saw you with your face covered with ashes. And he goes, well, that's really the reason that I'm calling. 
He never threw the ashes out of the plane. No. He got like fireplace ashes and put them on his face and oh. came in and said he did. And the ashes were in a manila envelope and were in his desk and still were there years later. <gasps> why? Why why would he do that? Did he tell you? Well, he just said he couldn't he couldn't throw them out of the plane for whatever reason. And so he Like made, legal reasons or because I, of his no, I like he had feelings about it. I think it. he had feelings about it, or maybe he couldn't get the window open, or maybe he was concerned they were going to blow in his face. I don't know exactly, okay. because it was a relatively short conversation. Sure. So he was calling to confess to me, and he said he was going to try to make this right and wanted to know if I wanted to be part of it. And I'm like, no, <laughs> this is a decision that you made. I did not fuck this up. That was all you. You did that. <laughs> so I really don't even know, you know, what happened after that. If he went up and spread them over the Catalina Mountains or if they're still in his desk drawer at the TV station he works at. Yeah, I don't that's know. A, yeah, that's a rough one. Yep. I guess he tracked down the, the lady. She lived in, I think he said, Colorado. And he was going to. That's what he wanted me for. He wanted me to, to like be part of that call to her. And I'm like, no, uh-uh. <laughs> no, uh, no. Plus, you know, he was obviously a bit of a prankster. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking maybe this was all a setup. Maybe he was too. setting so, you up. Yeah. But it got me thinking, that story got me thinking about weird places that people scatter ashes of their deceased loved ones. Oh, that's interesting. So let's start with Truman Capote. He wrote In Cold Blood. Of course. Classic. And uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. When he died, he was cremated and his ashes were given to Joanne Carson, the widow of Johnny Carson, the legendary television talk show host. And she kept them until she died. And the executors of Mrs. Carson's will decided to include the author's ashes in its uh, sale of her effects at the starting price of 1,500 pounds. So Truman Capote's ashes ended up in an auction. Oh. Yeah. The president of Julian's Auctions said, Some celebrities, this wouldn't be very tasteful, but I know 100% that Truman Capote would have loved this because he loved his name being in pre- in the press. He liked to create uh, <laughs> publicity stunts and things like that. So he, uh, he would have loved that. That makes sense, I guess. I'm not sure who ended up with them, though. Or how much they sold for? Yeah. Oh, that's that's important news. Michael Hutchins, the former lead singer of the band NXS, found dead in a Sydney hotel room in 1997. We won't go into all the details. You can look it up on your own. After he was cremated, there was a dispute as to uh, who was going to get Michael's ashes. Three three different uh, parties were jockeying for position there. Okay, it was resolved uh, by the courts. By splitting his ashes up, they put it into uh, three wooden urns, one going to his mother, one going to his father and brother, and one to his lover, Paula Yates, who was the ex-wife of Sir Bob Geldof. She took his ashes and sewed them into a pillow and then slept on the pillow every night until she died in September of 2000, and uh, the pillow was buried with her ashes. Oh, okay. According to the Express, uh, Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry became the first person to have a space burial in 1992 when a portion of his cremated ashes were uh, carried into the stratosphere by the space shuttle Columbia. Uh, On that occasion, his ashes returned to Earth with the shuttle, but in uh, 1997, a quarter of an ounce of his ashes were launched into space aboard the Pegasus rocket and after orbiting Earth for about a month, it burned up in the atmosphere. That's 
appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. I like the idea of ashes going back out into space because, you know, we're all from stardust and then you become stardust. We are stardust. We are golden. George Harrison, the quiet beetle, had a long association with mysticism. And um, in fact, when he died of cancer in 2001, two devotees of the Hindu sect, Hare Krishna, uh, were chanting at his bedside as he died after Harrison was cremated in Los Angeles. His widow, Olivia, and his 23-year-old son, Danny, flew his ashes to India and scattered them in the uh, Ganges, which is a ritual that is said to uh, free the soul from the cycle of reincarnation and allow it to make its journey heavenward. That's nice. That is nice. Except for I don't like the sound of sitar. It's not a pleasant sound to me. Yeah, I never got into that myself. Mm. Okay, great. I I appreciate the experimental nature of your work, Mr. Harrison. Of course. You were a friggin' genius, and I love your music. You can do whatever you want. Except for the sitar stuff. Eh. John Denver, American singer-songwriter, of course, huge in the 70s, had number one hits uh, for years and years and years. He died in a plane crash. He he was flying an experimental aircraft that uh, crashed into the ocean. Oh, so, of course, the most logical thing to do would be to uh, scatter his ashes over the uh, Rocky Mountains, which is where he lived and loved and wrote about, you know, Rocky Mountain High, Rocky Mountain Christmas. Everything had Rocky Mountain in it. So I had a Rockies starter jacket when I was in middle school. That is a baseball team, not a mountain range in this case. There were mountains on the jacket. I found this on Reddit. Somebody posted this picture of them scattering ashes with this caption spreading some of my sister's ashes in the wizarding world of harry potter on her birthday you can't do that no i wouldn't imagine i bet there are a lot of places that you can't spread ashes yeah well another place of course that was at universal studios but disney world for years there was an urban legend that people were dumping their loved ones ashes at uh, the haunted mansion And in 2007, there was uh, an article written, I think it was USA Today, where Disney said, no, that's that's an urban legend. That's not happening. That doesn't happen. That's no, that would be bad and wrong. Of all the attractions, why the Haunted Mansion? I guess because of the afterlife connotation. I don't know. Uh, Who knows? Maybe it was just a a popular place to do it. You could get away with it because there were gravestones there and stuff. I I don't know. And for years, it was kind of looked at as... um, an urban legend. Sure. Well, apparently it's real and it's a problem. Uh, in October, an article came out in the Wall Street Journal. Wall Street Journal said uh, that they talked to former custodians at both parks in Anaheim and in Orlando, mm-hmm. as well as people who claim to have spread ashes of loved ones at Disney World or Disneyland. One woman said she stashed her mother's ashes in a pill bottle. While others explained it was extremely easy to sneak human remains through the bag check line in a camera case or maybe a compact or other unassuming container. Sure. Shannon has gone. I heard she's drifting off to sea. (laughs) Shannon Heimbrook, a 41 year old from Missouri. She told the journal she spread her father's ashes near Disney World's gate earlier this year. She said, uh, and this would have been 2018, this article came out in October of 2018. She said she used to make summer trips there with him uh, when she was younger and she wanted to memorialize it. She Mm -hmm. said, quote, at Disney World, he wasn't my tired graveyard shift dad, she said. He was, let's get you the mouse ears. Let's get your name stitched on it. It's like 
I love this dad. Can we stay forever? Oh, gosh. That gives me the hardcore feels. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, that's rough. On Reddit, one uh, person claiming to be a Disney worker said uh, they were often spread at Disney World's Haunted Mansion. Um, one employee confirmed that to the journal, quote, the Haunted Mansion probably has so much human ashes in it that it's not even funny. <laughs> Alex Perone, an actor from uh, New York, told the journal, it was strange to both mourn his mother and go on rides while at Disney World in June. He spread her ashes in the Magic Kingdom flower bed and then went on It's a Small World. Aww. That story about the the girl and her dad, it, it's touching. And it also uh, reminds me of how much I resent this uh, world that we've created for ourselves where we work, you know, 80% of our yeah, lives yeah. and we only have that that little sliver for being that dad yeah. that that our kids want. And and it we've all bought into it and it's redonk. I did. And I disagree with it, though. I continue to do it. So after he spread the ashes, he got on. Uh, it's a small world. Oh, yes, he said, I was still crying. That song is playing over and over and over again with those little happy animatronic things. I remember thinking, well, this is weird. <laughs> it's a small world after all. It's a small, small world. Well, this is weird. Disney employees have said uh, that this happens at least once a month, which is a much higher rate than was believed before the Wall Street Journal story. Apparently, uh, some of the most popular locations are among bushes and flowers. Sure. Of course. The Pirates of the Caribbean ride. What? In the pond beneath the Dumbo ride. Okay. And by far, as I mentioned earlier, the Haunted Mansion is the most popular place to, to dump ashes. Well, so, that makes sense. What are the, do you know the uh, parameters for ashes dumping? You can't do it because it's, it's human waste. It's human remains. And but it's ashes. Yep, but it's still human remains. In fact, if you're thinking, well, this is easy. I can just do it, go in and just, you know, casually spread them in the flower bed. Right. Like yeah. Andy Dufresne in the jailhouse yard. Exactly. Digging his way through the wall. Was it the wall? Yeah. Yeah. God, I get to see Shawshank again. I know. It's been too long. And and it, you know, I guess it kind of is. Sure, yeah. But if you get caught, you face all kinds of bullshit. The park is now monitoring it very carefully. So those who throw ashes can sometimes uh, get caught in the act, uh, leading them to be escorted off the property. What happens to the ashes? They vacuum them up and throw them away. Oh, so no. it's not so really... it's a gamble. Yeah. Ooh. Now, if you're walking around the park and you hear an announcement come over the um, loudspeakers, and they say staff needed at blah 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 for HEPA cleanup, H <gasps> E P A, that means body parts you know usually ashes wow yeah. oh i love the code hepa but yep if you get caught spreading the ashes they'll just vacuum them up and they'll throw them in the dumpster with leftover winnie the pooh cookies and probably a toddler's dirty diaper and maybe some vomit now what is the concern with human ashes i mean is it yeah is it sterile is it, yeah I yeah why i'm no expert in this but my guess is if it's ashes it's probably any kind of bloodborne viruses or any anything like that would have been incinerated right 
but I think it's a combination of it possibly could have some kind of a contaminant in it. Um, number one and number two, they were people and maybe society on some level frowns upon that, but I, I don't know. Anyway, it's illegal. You can't do it. Well, you can, but if you get caught, then there are penalties. So where can you spread ashes? Anywhere? Because, I mean, that's something that a lot of people do. Yeah, I don't, I don't What's know. The, what are the rules? Somebody tell me what the rules are. <laughs> I just know that at a place like Disney World, you can't well, do Well, no, it. that's private property, and that mm. makes sense. Yeah. I mean, they, they're allowed to make the rules on whether or not you can do that. Right. And it's a, it's a public place. You know, it's, it's a place where a lot of people go. Maybe, you know, if, if you take it out to a forest and spread it over a meadow... People aren't as concerned about it being a potential contaminant. I just can't imagine what could survive being incinerated. I but, can't. I you can't. know, I again, not an expert. Don't understand it. Please educate me. Yeah. We look forward to hearing your thoughts on it. Curator at the box of oddities.com. No, I don't want your thoughts. I want your facts. <laughs> well, here's a fact. Disney World, Disneyland, in some cases, the happiest resting place on Earth. Oh, I, I like there? that. Yeah. yeah, that was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, super jazzed, by the way. We are going to that uh, podcast conference in Orlando next month. And uh, so we're going to go to Epcot. And I've never been. And uh, maybe we can maybe we can spot some ash spreading. Maybe. And if you have a loved one you'd like us to spread at Epcot. What? Whatever you do, don't send us any. That no. would be weird. I think that's a federal thing. I don't know if it's federal or not. Putting it in the mail. Yeah. Well, I don't know what the... Yeah. Don't do anything bad. Maybe don't start sentences by saying, if you have a loved one, mm. you'd like us to spread. Yeah. Or just mail us your body parts. Uh, that's never... That never ends in a happy conversation, I find. Halfway through and you're still awake? It must be time for That Thing in the Middle. Today, weird things that people have tried to return to the store. Having worked in retail... I appreciate this. Number five, a lady returned a bottle, an empty bottle of wine to Costco because she said it, quote, gave her a headache. (laughs) Someone tweeted, a woman is in line at Costco, totally nonchalant, to return her Christmas tree because it's dead. It's January 4th. She did get a refund. Wow. This on Reddit, back when I managed a dollar store, I had a gentleman come in and try to return batteries because they, quote, ran out of electricity. He had bought them two years prior. That actually reminds me of a story about when I worked at a department store called Ames. Uh, It's now defunct. And a man brought in corroded old batteries, no package, no receipt. (laughs) Said they didn't work. Like, huh. Did you give him the money? No, I did not. My manager did, though. Did you quit? Eventually. Someone wrote, a lady wanted to return a pair of black pants that had been in her trunk for about 30 days. The pants were covered in white cat hair, had no tags, and were definitely worn and used. I would not take them back. And then the woman argued with me. She came back the next day, and the manager accepted the return. Good Lord. I was so mad. And from an employee at Walmart, usually a few months after the garden center closes, people bring back plants that have died. Sorry, let me rephrase that. Plants they couldn't take care of properly. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. 
The podcast world is growing bigger every day, and Himalaya wants to help you navigate it. Himalaya is a brand new podcast app where you can find every single podcast you love and some future faves. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya has got your back. Discover personally curated playlists and show your favorite podcasters some love with Himalaya's Tip Jar. It's free, it's the easiest to use, and we're adding cool new features every day. Go to your app store, download Himalaya. That's H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A. And don't forget to follow the Box of Oddities once you're there. You're listening to The Box of Oddities. Nothing better to do. What you got for me? What, what you, what, what you, what you got for me? What, 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 what you got for me? In other words, what you got for me. Oh, yes. Okay. So um, I think it was last week or maybe the week before we were talking about um, the privy diggers right. and the bottles of like meth that they gave to babies. No, it's, it was opium. And <laughs> yeah, back in the in the days, the quote patent medicines basically were alcohol and opium. And um, and there was a teething remedy that uh, was popular. Unfortunately, it got the babies hooked on opium and then you had to keep buying it sure. to keep the babies quiet. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, that's the same I mean, with me and Malibu rum. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I've noticed. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I can't tell you the last time I had a Malibu in anything, but uh, maybe it's time. So <laughs> that got me thinking about um, medical stuff we've talked about, touched on before. And it's just there's such a wealth of information about how poorly we've done in history as humans. And uh, well, so <laughs> yeah, I think you're onto something. And so I started um, just kind of rabbit holing and I found this. The 1848 edition of Buchan's Domestic Medicine, uh, it had a colored front piece showing symptoms of smallpox, scarlet fever, and measles. It listed among the general causes of those illnesses as night air, sedentary habits, anger, wet feet, and abrupt changes in temperature. Interesting. Hey! Could you stop? We're trying to do something. I love how he pulls his ears back. Like... What? I'm doing a snooze. What? Leave me alone. <clears throat> it sounds like those. Um, it sounds like those prescription medication ads may cause oily stool and an inability to control. Which makes me think of that uh, ad that uh, a couple of friends of mine and I made a few years ago about a made-up medicine um, and its side effects. And the side effects list was like seven minutes long, um, <laughs> and included things like. Inability to get mbop out of your head. <laughs> or <laughs> Yeah, well, that is an earworm. <laughs> Damn it, Hanson. Anyway, <clears throat> the uh, causes of fever, according to this pamphlet, included injury, bad air, violent emotion, irregular bowels, and extremes of heat and cold. Hmm. Cholera was said to be caused by rancid or putrid foods by cold fruits such as cucumbers and melons and by passionate fear or rage no kidding yeah so um that uh baby drugs story led me into this this deep dive and uh i love a good deep dive and i found a this german pharmaceutical company bayer 
uh, which we we know today, uh, did at the end of the 19th century and for some of the 20th century, uh, encourage those who are suffering from a cough to indulge in heroin. Ah. Heroin was also marketed as something that could treat morphine addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, yeah, mm. I guess. I guess it would. Uh, but shortly afterward, the company faced some embarrassment when they found that heroin is actually metabolized into morphine, uh, which is actually pretty much exactly the same as morphine. Mm. Some more interesting uh, treatments and cures from the days of yore. Mercury found in Egyptian tombs dating as far back as 1500 BC. Mercury was believed to cure ailments, heal wounds, prolong life, and a whole bunch of other stuff. One Chinese emperor was so obsessed with seeking an elixir for eternal life that he ingested a compound that his doctors gave to him and that eventually killed him. It's interesting that it it was it was the cure for death, uh, but it ended up taking him out. What about oily stool? Did he have an oily stool? I'm imagining that he had a beautiful silvery oily stool. Most of this, by the way, is going to come from live science uh, articles and onlinenursingdegrees.org. <laughs> Let's talk about tonsillectomies. All right. It's one of the most uh, popular, famous surgical operations all over, at least 3,000 years old. Wow. And is employed primarily in the cases of acute tonsillitis. But for a short period of time, it was just something that you did to your kids. It was almost a rite of passage. When I was growing up, you were odd if you did not have your tonsils out. And I remember them telling me when I had mine out, this is going to be great. You're going to love this because afterward, you get to eat as much ice cream as you want. And so going into it, I was like, all right, this sounds like a pretty good deal. And then I discovered that was not a fair trade-off. No. No, because you can have all the ice cream you want, but you just can't swallow it. Yeah, nor do you want it because your insides are filling with blood. It is actually still to this day one of the most common operations, that's not a word, operations performed on children in the U.S. And it's gross. Not as gross as it used to be, though. There used to be an instrument which essentially was a tonsil guillotine or guillotine. Yeah, it's like giant nail clippers. Horrendous. Yeah. Just awful. And it was employed for about 80 years after its introduction in 1828, which at that time they were still like, meh, we don't have to clean this. That's true. They didn't have any concept of bacteria or germs. In fact, oftentimes, like during the Civil War, when they were amputating, the guy would just take his bone saw, saw the guy's leg off, wipe it it off on his apron, apron, bring the next one in. Yeah. Yeah. And this I thought was interesting. Tonsillectomy has actually been linked to dramatic weight gain in children, according to a recent study. It shows that all the ice cream they're eating. Maybe. uh, But the chance of a child becoming overweight or obese rises to 61% in cases where the adenoids are not also removed and inflated to 100 36 percent when the adenoids are removed with the tonsils that i had never heard before interesting isn't it speaking of things that we'd never heard of i had never heard of insulin coma therapy are you familiar with this no it's also known as insulin shock therapy it was a type of type of 
It was a type of psychiatric treatment used in hospitals in the 1930s through the 50s, and it involved repeatedly administering large doses of insulin to patients, which would send them into a coma just Mm. over and over and over and over again. Oh, my God. It was used mostly to treat, quote unquote, schizophrenia. And it was introduced in 1933 by an Austrian-born psychiatrist, who it's not a word. (laughs) Psychiatrist? (laughs) By an Austrian-born psychiatrist. By the way, Bjorn is not a word either. It's the name of a former tennis great. It's fine. Courses lasting up to two years were recorded. my God. So somebody with schizophrenia, Mm -hmm. they just... Put them in a coma and then take them out and then put them back in a coma again and then take them out. That's kind of like, that's the equivalent of your IT guy saying, have you tried unplugging it and plugging it back in again? It's exactly true. And in the 1950s, the therapy had fallen out of favor, but mostly because it took a lot of work. You know, the the patients had to be monitored and it took like round the clock nursing supervision. Uh, But it was recorded as continuing until the late 1970s in China and the former Soviet Union. No kidding. It's amazing how many treatments that were considered state of the art at the time we look back on now as just barbaric. Perfect segue into lobotomies. Oh, here we go. We, I mean, we know about lobotomies. That's, I thought I knew about lobotomies. You know, um, my dad used to always say, he used to always say, I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. Then he'd hike up his Sansabelt slacks and continue on with his croquet game. Your dad is a delight. I love him. <laughs> <clears throat> so basically 10 inch ice picks are jabbed into your eye holes. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> Lobotomy almost literally translates into lobe slicing. Yeah. So you jab this ice pick tool through your eye socket into the prefrontal cortex of the brain. And when you thought you had the ice pick in just the right space, Mm -hmm. you jam it with a hammer. Pap, pap, papity, pap, pap, pap. Wow. I'm just visualizing that and make my butthole clench. Yeah. It's still clenched, by the way. No, I don't. I, I understand completely. It should be. Um, Clenching still. There might be a part of your brain that's been triggered, and that's why it won't unclench. I don't know. Could be. There may be an ice pick in there. Mm. So, obviously, in some cases, you ended up with worse symptoms than you started out with. And John F. Kennedy's sister, Rosemary, went underway, uh, went under, underwent a lobotomy. She, after the lobotomy, had basically the, the, mental capacity of an infant and she was never the same again she never regained her rosemaryness no. and the reason for the lobotomy the 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 reason that they sent her in for this procedure was her quote moodiness yeah yeah and then she was institutionalized for her entire life and uh kind of locked away from public well, yeah, I'm sure it was embarrassing that you are such a, a horrible choice maker that mm. you jab ice picks into your kid's brain because they're moody. That was in the 40s, I think, wasn't I it? I think so. Sounds about right. I mean, yeah, it was a science, a scientifically acceptable choice. It was science-y. But it's not, I think that there are some things that you have to step back and go, you know, mm. I'm going to think on it just for a bit. Ice picks into the eye sockets. To jab into the brain. Huh. 
No, I'm going to pass on that. No, I'll just stick with this dick teenager that will grow out of it like every other teenager does. (laughs) Also, bloodletting is gross. Mm. The end. That's... That's it, huh? Well, I was going to touch on it, but, you know, I can't talk about that kind of stuff. Because of the leeches? (laughs) I thought we agreed that we weren't going to say that. Did you see that picture that somebody sent us of a snail facial? No. Yeah. Somebody sent us a picture of a a snail facial procedure. Um, It's at like a spa somewhere. They have these giant snails Uh still in the shell. Sure. Big, you know, like probably the size of golf balls. Uh And they put three or four of them on your neck and your face and they just... Eat. Scritch around? Yeah, they just eat the crap off your face. And yeah. Oh. Huh. And I'm looking at the picture of the woman lying there with big snails on her face and her head's wrapped in a towel. Uh-huh. And she does not look like she's enjoying the procedure. No, I feel like spa treatments should be nice, relaxing, and not involve snails or ice picks. Right? Yeah. When we were in Puerto Rico, we saw some giant snails, and I loved them. And I took like 90 pictures of snails. Oh, they were huge. And I have to tell you, it 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 washed over me when we returned home that nobody else wants to see 90 pictures of snails. <laughs> but they were big. They were the size of a grapefruit. They were huge. That was that was when we went ziplining. That's correct. In in the jungle. Yeah. That was great. That was a lot of fun. We've, we've gone ziplining a couple times. We went ziplining in, what was it, St. Martin? Mm-hmm. The world's tallest. The zip steepest. Li- the steepest zipline. It's from the top of a mountain all the way down to the bottom. That was fun. It was when it was over. You um, did great. On the uh, ski lift ride on the way up. At first, I'm thinking, oh, this will be great. Yeah, awesome. Uh, I can say I've been on the steepest zipline in the world. This will be great. And then on the ski ride lift on the way up, it just seemed to take forever to get to the top. Because it was tall. It was real tall. And then we get to the top and we still had to climb <laughs> to the top of the mountain. And I'm standing there and I'm thinking, well, I've had a good life up to this point. There are so many videos of us as we're approaching the top. And I'm so jazzed and I'm like pointing things out. I'm like, look, because it was butterfly season. And so there were butterflies everywhere that was amazing and i was losing my mind i'm like oh my god this is the best day of my life i've never been so happy Uh." and then you're just sitting there next to me like with your hands on the edges of the lift like my complexion was uh ashen yep at that point it's real neat sweetie it's real neat (laughs) but i determined i was gonna do it i was not gonna back out i was gonna do it and i did yes and i'm proud of that the end So anyway, I'm starting to feel about our approaching show at Zany's in Nashville, much like I did when I was about three quarters of the way up that ski lift. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is going to end badly. (laughs) But I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Uh, We're looking forward to it. We really are. And uh, it's the 27th of February. Uh, Tickets, we're getting down to it. There's a few left, but I would hurry if I were you, if you've been waiting to go. We would love to see you. And there are some general admission tickets left. VIPs are long gone, which blows my mind. Um, and um, we're looking forward to, to, to seeing those of you who can make our very first live show. Yeah. And if you're in the area, you should come by Zany's earlier in the day to see us when we when we come in. Because as soon as I see the poster on the outside of that building, I'm going to weep. Yeah. Like, 
yeah. like a child. Mm-hmm. I will have no control over it because this is something that we made and I love it so much. And I'm so excited to be a part of something that's growing and, and the community and the people that we yeah. talk to are so cool. And I'm just so excited to be a part of it. And I am having feelings. Let's shut this down. Okay. All right. If you want to get your tickets, theboxofoddities.com. Yep. Click on the live show link. Box of Oddities, it happens a couple of times a week, and we'll see you on Thursday. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those of whom I report to, to beseech you for assistance. The Box of Oddities is free. We ask but one thing of you to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash BoxOfOdditiesPodcast On Twitter at BoxOfOddities And Instagram at BoxOfOdditiesPodcast Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.